0: I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist, and this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world, and it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. I am so delighted and honored to have one of my heroes, Elizabeth Alfano. She is a firecracker taking Wall Street by storm with Eat V.
1: Tell us all about it, Elizabeth. What exactly is Eat V? So happy to be here. And you are a firecracker yourself, Jane Velez-Mitchell. EATV is the world's first and only plant-based innovation ETF. What that means, ETF Exchange Traded Fund. That means it's traded on the stock market. We're listed on the New York Stock Exchange. An ETF, just in case those who don't know, it's a basket of stocks. Like you go to the grocery store, you put all your plant-based items in the cart. This is just like that. It's a basket of plant-based companies globally around the world, anywhere in the supply chain that are helping to replace animal products for sustainable consumption. We know some of the great stats about how plant-based eating is great for people, but also animals on the planet. So we have this exchange-traded fund traded uh, globally around the world, this basket dedicated only to plant-based innovation.
0: Uh, it's so exciting because obviously we're in a climate crisis. I want to show some of the companies that are in your portfolio. Um, Check this out. I mean, you've got a lot of companies. Describe the role of these companies. Are they all uh, public companies? Are they private companies? How
1: do you select these companies to be in EV? Yes, a uh, tiny little clarification there. Um, that Those are not, um, for a great way to see the companies that are in the ETF, you can go to EATV. ETF.com. And you'll see all of these companies, uh, 40 plus companies that are in the the ETF. So people often ask us, well, what could possibly be in a plant-based ETF? It must be Oatly and Beyond Meat only. And that is just not accurate. Those companies would be at the very end of the supply chain. They're the consumer packaged goods you see on the shelf, along with Soy and other consumer packaged goods. But what about all those companies that are working on texture and flavor, like a multinational company out of Switzerland that works with plant-based flavors to help those plant-based products be successful on the shelves. What about those ingredient companies that are not only solving for monocropping? Yes, that is indeed another climate uh, contributor, monocropping. We monocrop soy for animals. Don't even feed people, just feeding animals makes no sense. It's an inefficient business equation. But um, So you see those companies that are innovating for novel ingredients like chickpea and barley and um, other high-protein legumes, those companies like Ingredient also in our fund. So you see anywhere up and down the supply chain, those good actors that are helping to really shift the global food supply system. Jane, that's the problem that we're trying to solve. Some people say to me, oh, that plant-based alternative protein thing, that's for other people over there. That's really not what we're talking about. When I say we are the only etf dedicated to plant-based innovation it might sound like we are a small or niche product that is not what we are talking about we are looking at shifting the global food supply system not because i want to not because some vegans want to and i love vegans by the way i i am one but the the major actors around the world governments large industry food legacy companies as well as consumers all want a shift for healthier personal goals, healthier planetary goals, and much better, healthier business bottom lines. Our current food supply system is inefficient. It's wasteful. It's damaging. Probably don't need to tell this crowd that almost one-third of the world's global methane, so literally 32%, according to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, comes from animal agriculture. Methane being the most nefarious of the gases we will not, simply, we will not impact climate change if we don't address our global food supply system that's based on animal agriculture. So we are a very uh, large problem-solving ETF, if you will, because our entire global food supply system needs to be more efficient and adapt. I I think...
0: um, You are talking about saving the planet and using the business world to save the planet. Recently, you were on mainstream media talking about this and some in Congress, uh, particularly Senator Cory Booker, who is trying to come up with a political solution while you guys come up with a uh, business solution. Let's check this out.
1: Senator Cory Booker has introduced a new bill aiming to reduce the risk meat processing presents to animals and workers. Also, the senator plans to stop taxpayer bailouts of the meat industry and, more broadly, meat. Joining us to give more insight on this is Elizabeth Alfano, CEO of VegTech Invest and a FinTech TV contributor. Always good to talk to you, Elizabeth. Just tell us a little bit more about this bill from the senator Cory Booker and what would it do if it actually becomes law? Yeah, lots of things have to happen before it becomes law. But I think it's interesting that we see Senator Cory Booker on the tail, if you will, of industrial agriculture. Yet again, he tried this in 2019. What this bill, if passed, would do is it would set up a separate office at the USDA to collect yearly fees from large industrial factories, factories making animals, because these factories currently externalize their risks and their costs to the consumer. So through taxpayer dollars, consumers are paying for things like in 2019, Hurricane Florence ripped through North Carolina, and it flooded a lot of the factories, all of the pigs drowned and 3.4 million chickens drowned. And then taxpayer dollars had to clean that up.
0: So what You're saying and what Senator Booker is saying is why are taxpayers paying for industrialized animal agriculture that is uh, polluting the environment? And also, if they're building these giant concentrated animal feeding operations that are not sustainable because of uh, climate change induced uh, catastrophes, why should the taxpayers have
1: to pay for that? Mm-hmm. That's 100% correct. And I think what you're going to see is a cultural zeitgeist shift. Let's just talk about this for a second. I was at COP27, the United Nations Yearly Summit on Climate Change, speaking about investing in plant-based innovation for people and the planet, not just food security, but also our, our Planet. And we see coming out of COP27 that there's a concept that's been accepted called damage and loss. And that is the large countries that are externalizing. So now you're hearing that phrase again externalizing the cost of their climate change activities, their negative impacts on the climate. They're pushing off those costs onto the smaller countries. And the smaller countries are saying, hey, I am not paying to clean up your stuff, that is going to enlarge and beyond countries and and become what consumers say to companies. I am not paying for you dumping on me. And so I think we're going to see this cultural shift because consumers, ever since COVID, have become so smart. They just Google what's best for their health, what's best for the environment, and they can see the negative impacts that these industries have on our well-being, the eutrophication, which is the dirtying of water, the... um, methane into the air, the inefficient business system, which means a lot of people aren't getting access to food because we're spending too much of our resources like land and water on feeding animals, not even feeding people. So I think the consumer is pushing for a change, government is pushing for a change, and industry is pushing for a change. We've got some callers, Nyla
0: Far in Texas, your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano of Invest and V. Hi, it's pretty interesting stuff to see it we come on the New York Stock Estate Exchange as the first vegan uh, exchange traded fund. Does this exchange traded fund does it include Tesla? And the reason I ask is because Tesla went leather-free and synthetic in 2017, but in 2016 Elon Musk launched an abhorrent company Neuralink based on vivisection. So many might take issue if um, this ETF
1: included a company such as Tesla. Thanks. Mm, I'm so happy to answer this question. Thank you for caring about this subject, by the way. And thank you already for being so knowledgeable about it. Just your being here and spreading the word, talking to others as well as us is so impactful. So thank you for all you do. I will say that you bring up a very interesting point. When we say plant-based innovation, people immediately think food but indeed we're not looking for just a sustainable food supply system we're looking for sustainable supply systems that includes materials so originally when we launched which is over a year ago now 13 months ago we launched with tesla in the plant based innovation fund why because te- tesla was the first company to replace all of its car leather with non-animal vegan leather and this forced Um, Mercedes Benz and, um, other car companies to turn over to 50% vegan leather. That's enormous. Uh, Automobile leather is second only to shoe leather in terms of animal products used. And of course, you can imagine a tannery, not good for the environment, let alone animals. So we originally included Tesla. Now we have, because it falls into the sustainable materials category, so plant-based innovation through materials, we have since taken out Tesla because um, Elon Musk is just um, running amok. So um, we have decided against, it, although it is a company that does some good, and then yet maybe not enough good, so so we started with it, and then we took it out. Which is the beauty of an actively managed ETF—you can make these decisions. And
0: you just answer the question: Why I'm driving an old Prius? Every time yeah. I think about getting another car, I read about some horror. I mean, Ford. I just got a message from PETA is doing uh, crash tests on pigs, which uh, I was not aware of, and I actually called the number and had a conversation with somebody. Um, it was. Uh, very disturbing. So, yeah, my old Prius, uh, Taffy, we're going to stick, we're going to stick with her for a while. We've got another caller, Sarah in Venice, California. Your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano of VegTech Invest.
2: Hi. Uh, my question is, let's say that somebody has a account with a big corporation like Fidelity or other big banks. They have like
0: a portfolio and they want to get into this EA TV. How do you actually tell somebody that you want that? And you know, like, how do you switch over stuff? And then also, I wanted to ask you about beyond um, because I actually added to my watch list your EA TV just now, and I was just thinking, like, I can see some areas in Europe it's going up, but. It's, Right now, it's not doing so well
1: in the U.S. So I just wanted to see if you could address that. And thank you so much. Yes, wonderful. Again, um, thank you for caring about the subject and already being so knowledgeable. Oh, Fidelity, you are such a trusted friend. Yes, so we have... Fidelity, Schwab, Ameritrade, E-Trade, Robinhood app. There's so many ways to buy, eat, V. And um, you can do that yourself just by getting on these self-directed platforms like Schwab or Fidelity. Now, if at Fidelity you have someone, it sounds like perhaps is managing your portfolios, then just tell them, hey, this is important to me. I invest with my values. I want to see the change in the world. And I'm going to use my dollars to do that. Just like I use my dollars in the grocery store, I only eat what aligns with my values. I only invest in what aligns with my values. And so your if you have a financial advisor, they should hear you loud and clear. They should tell you, you know, if this is what you want, then this is what I do. So, of course, they're there to give financial advice. but you can't have financial advice that doesn't align with your values. So you can also share what's meaningful and important to you. Let's talk about the market and where it's going. I probably don't need to tell this very educated um, caller that 2022 was an awful year. (laughs) I'll just say it was an awful year not just in the markets, but I think it was an awful year period for most people wherever they are in their life. And yes, indeed, it was an awful year in the markets. So um, plant-based took that hit like everyone else did, but let's be clear, so did big tech. I don't know if you're familiar with a company called NVIDIA, but you know, NVIDIA, Facebook, now known as Meta, these all took big hits. No one thinks Facebook's going away. No one thinks the CEO, Jensen Huang of NVIDIA, who is revered really in the big tech world no one thinks he's a dope and that that's going away so yes plant-based and specifically we can talk about beyond meat has come on hard times Um, but when the market comes back but not only when the market comes back specifically to plant-based when the sector has some more robust foundation so we look to these um, infrastructure That is being built out now. It's such a nascent industry. We look at the infrastructure that's being built out now. It's about five to seven years behind the structure of alternative energy. So you see alternative energy moving in the right direction has to our planet. You're going to see plant-based innovation moving in the right direction. By that, I mean going up. As we build out infrastructure, more investment comes in from government. Uh, the U.S. has been investing in alternative proteins. Israel, Singapore, the Netherlands, Germany, um, uh, um, Holland. I hope I didn't miss one. I probably did. All investing in alternative proteins. So so you're going to see the sector go up. I see that Jane wants to interrupt me. I just well, want to say I, I just one to thing.
0: I want to say, it's very important to say that you know, we're not advocating any particular investment or investment style. This is informational. And it's important to point out that obviously when you're dealing with any kind of stocks or exchange traded funds, the possibility of uh, losing your investment is also there. I just want to put that out there uh, because uh, we are an informational show. Uh, But uh, I think this is absolutely fascinating. And I want to get back to your brands. Um, I saw this on a website. So I think I may have actually not characterized it correctly. Tell me about these companies and how they play a role in the bigger picture.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. uh, So these are not the companies that we invest in. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are plant-based companies, the majority of them. In fact, if not all of them are not public, these are, um, privately held companies and they would be considered venture investing. So investing in the smaller companies that have yet to really scale or get large enough to be on the stock exchange. And um, so you can't buy them on the, the public market. Very hard to invest in them because they usually take only 25000 or more. So if you're invest, you already have to have a lot of money, which is unfortunate in a way because you look at who is growing the plant-based innovation sector, it's millennials and Gen Z. It's the people who don't have enough money to invest many times over in a venture portfolio. So if you invest in a small startup and you must have at least 25, if not more, you have to do that 20 times to get diversification. This is the beauty of an ETF, not just mine, etv, but any ETF is going to give you diversification. It's going to have that basket, just like your grocery cart has many things in it. So you can have different things for dinner every night. Well, this diversification of, of what's in your exchange traded fund mitigates your risk. When you put 25 into one company. You don't know if that company is going to make it or not. So that's why it's called venture because it's an adventure. <laughs> that's not yes. why it's called venture, but it is an adventure.
0: <laughs> okay. So we're learning, this is sort of an educational thing. Um, first of all, our, um, it's hard to judge progress in real time. There's been a lot of hit pieces recently against alternative meats. Uh, It's almost like the swing of the pendulum. At first, everybody was just ecstatic. And then all of a sudden, well, certainly the animal agriculture industry started uh, punching back. And um, there's been a couple of hit pieces lately on meat alternatives. However, let's take a look at some of the stats that you provided. Um, Plant-based search increases. Give us some sense of this.
1: Yes. So, you know, the um, onset of Veganuary, which is when many people, as part of their New Year's resolutions, they try to incorporate plant-based into their lives, at least for the month of January. Sometimes it goes on for the whole year. Um, And so you see around the holidays, there are more and more people. The holidays, usually you have a family of 10, 15, 12, 8 There's going to be a vegetarian or vegan in there. So people are now starting to really accommodate them, not just at family dinner tables, but also at restaurants. And so you're seeing people search on how to make vegan dishes for the holidays. And so this is a statistic that we put out there um, showing just how more diverse the holiday table has become.
0: Yeah. And it's also a generational thing, isn't it? True. Tell us a little bit about that, because, again, it seems sometimes like, well, is anything changing? But it is. I mean, the number of vegan restaurants, the number of vegan products. When I go into a supermarket now, unlike, let's say, five years ago, there's not only an entire vegan section, but vegan products um, are mixed in with um, the non-vegan products. There's just a much higher percentage, not just in specialty stores, but in regular old supermarkets.
1: Yeah, I really want to address this. And the last caller kind of brought this up. So what you might be seeing is considered a decrease in grocery store sales in the frozen department, in the, excuse me, in the fresh department. So um, that's, you know, you need to cook that product in a couple days. You're seeing now that people have gone back to work. Kids are not living on their parents' couch anymore. They've gone back to universities. COVID, while still around, is pretty much over. You don't know if you're going to go out to dinner that night with friends or if you're going to come home and cook. So you've stopped buying in the fresh market or pulled back, you're buying more frozen goods. So what those newspaper hit pieces, as you said, isn't talking about is really the growth of frozen. Now, is it enough growth to compensate for the decline in fresh? No, it isn't, but it chops away at a significant amount of that decrease. And then we look at 48% of restaurants now have plant-based options as opposed to 30% prior to COVID. So you look at, Like I was talking about, people go out to dinner with their friends now. Restaurants are back open. So you look at um, corporate and university cafeterias run by Aramark and Sodexo. These are huge food service organizations. They're taking their plant-based options from 22% to 42% by 2025. You're seeing um, restaurants now increased from from 30% up to 48%. So now if you look at the holistic picture of how people are eating, both at home and in restaurants, you see that really you had incredible growth in 2020 and 2021 when people were Googling for their health. And we've been able to maintain that growth through 2022.
0: So okay. I'm going to jump in because we've got another caller, Michael in Los Angeles. Your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano of VegTech Invest.
2: Hey, good morning, Jane and Elizabeth. Great show. Um, you guys have really got me enthused about uh, this I I, really, I truly believe the, the future is vegan. Actually, the present is vegan. So I'm going to go out today and get 40 shares of that stock. Oh. <laughs> well,
0: Thank I, you, I have sir. to warn again: we're not advising anybody to make any purchases. Um, we're we're providing information. Um, Michael, do you have a question for
1: Elizabeth?
2: Um. Yeah. Um. What motivated you, Elizabeth, to uh, get involved in this?
1: Yes. So. As an investor, because I was investing in venture, as we talked about, I wanted to have a less risky option and I wanted to not have to invest at twenty five or thirty or fifty thousand dollars at least 20 times to get diversification it's a lot of money i wanted to get diversification so invest once and have it spread out over 40 stocks for example i wanted diversification in the public markets i wanted the freedom to buy it and sell it and as i felt comfortable i wanted to support plant-based innovation driving money on wall street i didn't want this huge sector wall street wall street knowing about electric vehicles and alternative energy, and not knowing about the third climate solution, which is plant-based innovation. I wanted this product out there for my investments, and I couldn't find it. So that's how I did it.
0: Well, um, I want to ask you a question. We've got another caller, but my question is, what are your top holdings in Uh EV, and how many stocks do you have? And are any of
1: them public, or are they all private? Oh, they're all public, all publicly traded on the stock market. Okay. globally from around the world. So we have about 60%, well, maybe 65% U.S.-based and the rest global because obviously, we're shifting the global food supply system. Again, not a niche product, but the innovations and technologies in the supply chain that shift the whole food supply system to be more sustainable, better for the planet, better for people, better for animals. So um, some of our top ingredients would be Ingredion, for example, that is a company that um, does alternative proteins. If you're going to have Alternative options to eat, you need alternative ingredients in those options. So, innovating beyond wheat and soy, but pulling in barley and fava bean and chickpeas. So, Mul- Ingredient is a large multinational corporation really using their skill set towards uh, fostering plant-based innovation and helping these plant-based companies. Givaudan. I mentioned them before, they're a multinational company out of Switzerland. They work on flavors and textures. They've just made a large investment in a cultivated meat. That's making meat without the animal. I know that's kind of a subject that people... Haven't quite yet wrapped their minds around, but um, this is incredibly efficient getting animals out of the supply chain. So a good thing for the environment and animals and people. Um, so they're doing things again, helping that supply chain, making these products healthier. We also have other flavor and uh, texture companies like Sentient, again working on making these products better. We and even total number the total number of
0: stocks you have in your portfolio in this ETF mm-hmm. portfolio is.
1: Yes, we rebalance every month. So 42 right now, but you know, it's always between 40 and 45, depending on got the Okay,
0: yeah. excellent, excellent. Good, good, specific information. Appreciate it. We've got another caller, and it's Michelle in Los Angeles. Your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano.
2: Hi, Elizabeth um, Hi, and Jane. Um, so I'm a novice with the stock market, and I have a lot of friends who do invest. And they'll be talking about it and they'll ask me, well, what are some vegan or or plant-based products to invest in? How do I explain to them what this is and explain to them how this is a better uh, way of investing for them
1: and for me? Yes. Thank you for your question. And again, um, to you and the caller right before you, thank you for your interest in all that you do. Um, I would say probably unless they're, unless they have a lot of um, disposable cash at their fingertips, they're probably not even able to invest in venture capital. So they can only invest in publicly traded companies. And it's quite a lot of work actually to put together 40, 42 uh, companies and work out those weightings and rebalance it every month, et cetera. So I would explain to them sort of, as I was saying before, uh, the risk mitigation. So bringing down that risk by investing in, you know, 40 plus companies is going to spread out um, the risk and then, you know, give you that peace of mind. So as the only plant-based innovation ETF on the market, a great way to support the industry and to invest in in these companies would be, you know, again, not investment advice, but if that is their goal, then, um, you know, investing in ET. V would seem like a very good option. And it's just, you, you um, buy it like you do any ticker. You know, it's just a ticker, E-A-T-V. And in buying the one ticker, that's the beauty of an ETF. You get the diversification of the entire basket.
0: And is there a risk uh, assessment? Like we know... Um, not being a stock market expert whatsoever but you hear about uh, Kathy what's her name Kathy Wood yeah um, yeah she's she's always in the news uh, taking very uh, provocative stands on uh, on various uh, high-tech companies is there a risk factor that um, allows people to look at what is the risk of this particular um, venture?
1: Yes, there's always a risk. Um, And so it's hard to determine exactly what the risk is. Um, We look at the future, and the stock market is mostly about investing in the future, if you will. So we really look at the future and where we think, and I'd love to talk about this after the break, where we think the trend is going of our sector. I think uh, there was a recent Bloomberg article that got it wrong. So I think we could talk about S-curve adoption and when we see mass adoption coming from consumers and industry.
0: I am so excited. I'm learning so much today talking to Elizabeth Alfano of uh, VegTech Invest. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio, but we are going to stay live on Facebook and on other platforms. We're going to come back in a second with more fascinating information. We're going to deal with climate change on the other side and the economy. Stay right.
3: Guarantee, it will be the best hour of your week.
0: We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re-entering a portal to a transformative way of living. Welcome back. This is Unchained TV, your free TV. We'd like to let you know that you can download Unchained TV on your phone via your app store, either um, a Mac, uh, an Apple device or an Android device. Just go to your app store and just download Unchained TV. We have more than a thousand videos. This one's going up there. Um, So Uh, We are also on your television via your Roku device, your Apple TV device, and your Amazon Fire Stick. And you can also go to UnshadedTV.com and watch it just by clicking watch now. And this is important information that is literally saving the planet. And we've all got to get involved because we are barreling toward a climate apocalypse. I mean, just this morning and every morning I pretty much wake up and check the news and it's another environmental catastrophe. Now there's another cyclone bomb uh, on the northeast of the United States that is uh, wreaking havoc. And imagine the poor animals in open air trucks driving to the slaughterhouse. OK, many of them arrive frozen solid. There is something really, really wrong with this society. We've got another caller, uh, Lindsay in Los Angeles. Your question of thought for Elizabeth Alfano, VegTech Invest.
1: Thank I'm really pleased to hear about the fun because when I became vegan, I suddenly realized that a lot of my investments, well, all of my investments are in companies that are not good for the environment. They're not You know, helping save animals. So, this is an amazing thing. My question is I saw an interview you did a while ago with one of the cell meat companies or, um, you know, companies that are going to be making alternatives to real meat for people that must have meat. And you had mentioned that Hormel and other companies were very interested in that the problem was scale, that these companies were not able to scale up yet to produce. What was needed in order to, for this to become a viable thing. And I was wondering what the progress has been made on that, what progress has been made, or anything else you can tell us about the switch over to get some of these big meat and food companies to adopt uh, plant based foods. Mm-hmm. I love this question. Thank you for asking it and being so educated already about it. So, um, yes. 2022 was an awful year, right? So it 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 held back some of that critical funding and financing that helps build an infrastructure and infrastructure, which can help scale the industry. Infrastructure vary. Expensive infrastructure being things like plants and large machinery that helps to make things. So these, this infrastructure needs capital and 2022 is a bad year for capital. That said, what you're seeing is all three major stakeholders wanting the same outcome. So you're seeing governments around the world invest in alternative proteins, plant-based innovation because food security, they need to feed more people more nutritiously, taking less time using fewer resources like land and water and creating less environmental damage. That's the task at hand. Now this is what business does really well. It takes a problem and it solves it at scale. That's a mega trend and that's what plant-based innovation does. This is why I say we're not a niche product. Plant-based innovation takes the problem of food insecurity, climate change, pandemic risk, and it innovates to get rid of the culprits that are causing these issues. That would be the large middleman of animals. It innovates to not have animals to address this problem at scale. So it's very interesting to see what's going to move the needle. It's going to be investment in that infrastructure. It's also going to be, sadly, the climate crisis. This is um, an important aspect of plant-based innovation. So we were just certified by Ethos ESG as a carbon-neutral fund. What does that mean? Excuse me. Carbon-neutral fund without buying credits. What does that mean? Most companies say, oh gosh, I've created negative impact. Now I'm gonna go like ask for a Band-Aid or, or permit your forgiveness and I'm gonna buy offsets. We don't do that because once you get rid of animals, again, this inefficient middleman in the supply chain, you are pl- uh, neutral, carbon neutral, just by simply not emitting the emissions. So you look at the reduction of emissions into the atmosphere. A great chart compares us. You see that the most typical investments is the S&P 500 index. That's, you know, this is the index, but the S&P 500 ETF, that's usually a very common uh, investment. You see that investing in that has a global warming potential of 3.2 degrees. Now, we know from the Paris Accords, we must be under 2. And ideally, we're at 1.5. Now, you look at the global warming potential of EAT V 1.18. This is the power of plant-based innovation. This is why I say this is a solution that solves a major problem at scale. The planet functions at 1.18. The planet does not function at 3.2. So the the benefit here is if you are investing in the S&P 500, you know, this is not a shame game, right? So, I mean, you're, you're doing what the whole world does. But, you know, an investment in EV, it's up to you. This is certainly not investment advice. Could lower the the carbon footprint of your portfolio, for example. This is a very long-winded answer for your, wow. your call here. but a PhD
0: course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line is yeah. that uh, while most companies are hurting the environment, um, at least those on the stock exchange, the New York Stock Exchange, that they have an impact, you're saying that the companies that you represent through this uh, exchange-traded fund actually help the environment. Would that be yeah. a good way of summarizing?
1: Yes, I'll just um, clarify a little bit and say I, I can't talk about every company on the New York oh, Stock Exchange, and I don't of believe course. that there are intentional bad actors, I and mean, we're all sort of doing the best that we can. But when well, we take a magnifying glass to look – because we've been not taking a magnifying glass, we've been ignoring it – because the SEC has not required companies to disclose their emissions – And all the emissions happen in the supply chain, folks. That's why we invest in a plant-based innovation in the supply chain. So the SEC has not required that. They're changing that. So industry is going to be forced to change. The SEC is starting to require that people disclose their emissions. And when you take a magnifying glass to emissions, you see, oh, gosh, um, not intentionally, probably, but at least when you look at the S&P 500, a very large index that represents kind of the S&P, uh, you, see, you see the damage.
0: I don't want to cut you off, but we got two other callers here. Uh, we have Annie from Sherman Oaks, your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano, a CEO of VegTech Invest. Hello, hello, thank
2: you for having me. It's great to be here with two powerhouses, Jane and Elizabeth. Thank you for having uh, me and having this show. Elizabeth, you, uh, your, you know, knowledge about investments and all is incredible. I love it. And one of the things I would love to know is because I do go, wherever I go, I take my protest or at least bringing knowledge about the impact, negative impact, the destructive impact of the animal agriculture. But giving alternative is incredibly powerful. Do you have a site, do you have a place where I could... Uh, add to my list that I give to people all the time, along with, you know, Unchained TV and, you know, the, the the documentaries. So if you have a site, a number, a place where people could see the negative impact to the environment
0: of each company, because investment a is a question. big thing.
3: Annie,
0: Annie I'm going to jump in and tell you that's an excellent question. Let's give Elizabeth uh, a chance to answer that question.
1: I'm going to say there are two sites that I love. First of all, you can go to VegTechInvest.com. And if you look up top, it'll say um, about or more. And you can scroll down to see supporting research. And there you will have all these links to... How much emissions are put out by animal agriculture, that would be 16.5% of the world's global emissions, uh, 32% of the world's methane emissions, 41% of the world's tropical deforestation, 42% of the world's clean water use, uh, 77% of the agricultural land dedicated to grazing animals and crops for them. And that only gives us 18% of our calories, very inefficient. Business people don't like that. 77% of your land to only get 18% of your calories. But we have more people on the planet going from 8 billion to 10 billion, but you're not getting more land. So that math doesn't work. This is why industry is going to change. So VegTechInvest.com, also ourworldindata.org. Oh my word, how I love them, ourworldindata.org.
0: All right, we got another caller, Joe in New Jersey. Your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano.
1: Hey, uh, thank you so much
2: for taking my call. Uh, Great work by you, Jane and Elizabeth. We really love this show. Great information. My question is, do you know of any banks uh, which uh, I can look into? You know, a lot of times uh, my bank just charges me for taking the money out for different purposes, uh, even paying bills, and are there any banks which are which I can open up an account which are dedicated towards ethical investing or sustainable investing? And uh, r- really looking forward to checking out the wedge check information. Thank you.
1: Oh my word! I can get research on this for the caller if need be, but I believe there is a bank called purpose bank but i i don't quote me on that and then i would say if you are concerned that your bank does not reflect your values perhaps try something like fidelity that allows you to run your own show so you make your decisions you invest for you you set up with them i i believe it's a minimal i, I don't want to get in, i don't know fidelity and i don't work for them but i believe the costs are minimal if um if you know, depending on the size of everything that you do, but, um, you know, or even Schwab, whatever, then you can, these kind of self-directed investment platforms, then you can make your own decisions and you invest for your values. But as a specific bank, because Fidelity is not a bank, um, I've heard of a bank called Purpose Bank, but I can look into that for you.
0: All right. Wow. Um, I'd like to ask you about the big picture here. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I, I think that alternative proteins are rising at the same time as traditional animal agriculture is getting more and more unmanageable. We -hmm. saw in this past summer the tragic video of thousands of cows dead at the side of a road dying from heat and drought in Kansas. Mm -hmm. Then you see all the animals being hit by these horrific, you know, 500-year storms are happening uh, with greater frequency, not just every 500 years because of climate change. Then you see the extreme cold, the cyclone bombs. There is one on the East Coast right now. Mm -hmm. So you have that. Then you have the rise of alternative proteins, on Unchained TV, we've done uh, interviews with Atelier Meats, which is a cultured meat, uh, which is uh, basically uh, cell-based. Uh, we have the bioidentical meat, uh, I believe it's paleo out of Brussels. They just copy the DNA sequencing and they create meat. You have um, those companies that use, for example, the placenta. They don't take a biopsy of an animal because some people said, well, you still hurt an animal um the, uh, uh, Atelier Meats uh, said, "No, we just use the uh, placenta uh, of one cow, and we can ferment giant vats of uh, meat. That can be specific cuts of meat. I don't want it. I'm I didn't grow up eating meat, and and I have no desire uh, uh, to eat any animal product, no matter how it's produced. But do you see a convergence of these two
1: factors?" I do. In fact, I'll say that um, I don't believe in silver bullets in life, but I've never seen anything that solves as many problems as plant-based innovation. And when you solve this problem at scale for um, climate change, we've talked about how you simply will not impact climate change in the time necessary. If you don't start addressing animal agriculture, we have um, natural resources, disproportionate use of those, land and water, we're running out of those. Um, you, You see the health impacts of not being able to create enough food for a growing planet because of how we misuse our resources. You start to solve pandemic risk. We haven't even gotten into that according to the United Nations, the top three reasons for the next pandemic, not the one that we are currently in now, but the next one, all related to eating meat and the intensification of animal factories. So, you know, obviously there's a crisis converging. And at the same time, this is for me the definition of a megatrend, taking a problem and solving it at scale such that mass adoption is inevitable once you scale and bring down those costs because it just works for everybody. Because living on a broken planet doesn't work for anybody, but living on a healthy planet does. So you see the sort of mass adoption potential.
0: So I would like to ask you, because you're somebody who is right there seeing this day in and day out, talking to the leaders of this um, business side of the movement, as it were. Hmm. Uh, when are we going to see the cultured meats? Uh, whether it's bioidentical meat, which doesn't involve any animal, they copy the bio, uh, the DNA sequencing, the meat from the placenta. Then there's the the seafood and other products, meat products that are from fungi, which is uh, you know mushrooms. Um, we have all of these alternatives coming up. When is it going to really? hit the market in a real way. We saw that uh, there was a cultured chicken served in Singapore. Um, the FDA has approved some aspect of cultured meat. When, when is the consumer going to see it?
1: So I had that cultured meat in Singapore, uh, done by the Good Meat Company, uh, owned by Eat Just, that company. I've also had cultivated salmon, done by Wild Type in San Francisco, off the charts, by the way. Um, so, very exciting. It's one of the reasons that Peter Singer has joined our, Peter Singer, the famed author of Animal Liberation and um, The life you can save and effective altruism. Um, So one of the reasons he's joined our Thought Leadership Council is because he likes to see these creative approaches to solving these these global problems for the planet, people, and animals. So when will we see it? There is a beautiful chart. You can go to synthesiscapital.com, but I can just tell you about it now, about when this mass adoption is going to come and which of the technologies are going to land when. So we're talking about fermented proteins, cultivated meat, plant-based innovations So getting those plant-based. Products better and taste and texture and clean labels, etc. And um, you see, it's really a classic S adoption curve. So you, you're going to see kind of price parity in production around 2025, 2026. That when you bring those costs down, that's when you really start to see mass adoption. Uh, according to Synthesis Capital, it's going to be mass adoption around uh, tipping point, being around 2032. That's 10% of the population. And then from there, it's a domino. Nine
0: years. Okay. We got one more caller. Stephen, Texas, your question or thought for Elizabeth Alfano.
2: Hi. Yeah. So I got a question. I'm, I'm so excited that EZ and, and other stock options are now being available to investors. You know, even for those that don't invest, if you have, if you're, you know, fortunate enough to have retirement, you know, mm. your retirement is being invested, whether you know it or not. And these these are oftentimes invested in stocks that harm animals and harm the planet. And it's just a matter of reaching out and fe- finding out who who your retirement is invested in. Look into it. Demand that they include E2B and, and other options available to you, uh, so that your your retirement isn't going against you. You know, as a vegan, I'm you know my retirement was the last thing I looked into as far as how I'm harming others. And I'm glad I did. And, and there's still a lot of work to be done. And I hope it e- e becomes a mutual fund as well. What are your thoughts? <sighs>
1: Uh, I love that you say this because ultimately we use our voice and we use the power of our dollars. We use them in the grocery store and we use them in our investments. And people never think about the power of their investments, but folks, money moves the world. So what you're talking about here is, hey, sometimes you're invested in things you don't even know you're invested in because your employer has invested it on your behalf. So reach out because you use that power that is your own voice. You reach out to your employer and say, hey, I don't want my retirement invested in these things I don't believe in. I wanna make sure that my values are represented. And it's a wonderful conversation to have because it will take all hands on deck to change the planet. It, it, it's gonna require all of us.
0: I, I wanna say that one of our writers at Unchained TV, Jordi Casamagana, um, is famous for making veganism a protected class in the United Kingdom after he filed suit against his employer for investing pension funds in uh, companies that violated his principles as a vegan. So it's very interesting. Um, Okay, you said nine years, but do we have nine years? Why is it that given, listen, I was just at a vigil last night near downtown LA, uh, Farmer John, uh, that's uh, Smithfield Slaughterhouse closing down there. Ah, uh, protests, undercover investigations covered in Wire magazine. Yes. Um, you know, when are, when are these companies going to make that shift and go, oh, okay, I could raise 80 billion animals in horrific conditions, uh, kill them uh, in torturous ways, uh, hurt the planet, you know, contribute to human world hunger, deforestation, habitat destruction, or I could switch to a lab-grown meat And um, basically have the same product with none of the devastation and cruelty. When are they going to get that?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, in fairness to them, the the technology isn't there yet for cultivated meat to be on any sort of mass scale. So that is an infrastructure investment issue that we talked about, which is why we have cultivated meat in eat and we invest in it. Um, so the technology still needs to be pil- built out there to do it at scale at a cost that makes any kind of sense. So in terms of cultivated meat, that's what's holding it up there. Now, fermented proteins, again, using a mycelium and a fungi and a, fermenting clean label protein is going to be much shorter, like four years, probably four or five years. And then plant-based innovation is here now. So when I say nine years, what I'm really talking about is that's the time that cultivated meat will give or take hit the shelves. Fermented proteins will already be there. Plant-based innovation already be there. The pressure on companies to disclose their emissions. So the bad actors are going to be visible publicly nobody wants that that's a real incentive for industry to get behind changing their business ways as well as they'll see bettering their bottom line so all of these things have to converge so it's it's it, that's why it's going to take nine years it's the technology the infrastructure build out and the regulations that force disclosures and i think for example i think soon you will see carbon footprint on the front of pack so the consumer can say, hey, this is an expensive carbon footprint for me. I don't want this product. I think all of these shifts happening together force a, a major change.
0: Well, you you mentioned and we saw how you spoke at uh, one of the COP conferences and they continue to serve meat, but they did put the price tag, the carbon price tag, the environmental price tag on their products and the animal products were so much higher than the vegan products that even um, the Washington Post wrote an article saying, well, you know, if, if it's so much higher and you're having a climate conference, why did you even serve it? Uh, yeah. it yeah, I mean, it's shocking to me that, 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 the, that the climate conferences, the COP conferences are still serving
1: animal products. Um, it, maybe we have 30 seconds, your final thought on that. Um, it's education because uh, many of the global leaders that we spoke to at COP 27 didn't even know that there was a connection between the global food supply system and climate change. It's what I'm up against on wall street all the time. They didn't even know that it exists. So first we must educate, which is why I'm always talking on wall street. And then when people get it, you see that they move towards the right answer. Cause there, there is a right answer and a wrong answer here. Obviously, if you're in, if you care about your children's future, there's a right answer and a wrong answer here.
0: You are absolutely right. It's been such an educational, fascinating conversation. Elizabeth Alfano, the CEO of VegTech Invest. We are so delighted to have you on Unchained TV and Voice America Radio to have these discussions. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Share this out, people, and visit UnchainedTV.com. Thousands at this point of videos for a plant-based world. Let's save this planet already. Thank you so much